journey into the Bible and explore its hidden text and rich wisdom. Join Adol Kazilski Mondays at 1 p.m. for the trip of a lifetime. Welcome everybody to High FM. We are. Um, I'm stopping here now just because I'm doing this. Oh, there you go. Much better. I was getting a. Uh, <laughs> I was getting an echo. Thank you, there, Craig. Welcome to 101.5 FM. And yes, we are all now broadcasting from our homes, from our quarantine or self isolation that we find ourselves in, and. Uh, we're having one heck of a trip through the Bible because uh, we are writing history right now. And um, whilst there is much going on out there, I think that many, many people are taking up the opportunity of now that things have quieted out and we don't have to engage with the outside world to have a time of reflection as to how are we writing history and how are we going to look back at this period of time um, and what did we do right now? What are we doing right now to use this time as effectively as possible? As always, and as every Jew should, we should take our cue from the Torah. And for those of you that join me on 101.9 High FM on Mondays, you know that we sit and learn Chumash. We sit and learn the five books of Moses. And um, it is not without um, coincidence and not coincidence that it was a mistake, but rather that there are, there's a lot of synchronicity here. We are studying the story of Storm and Gomorrah, the destruction of Storm and Gomorrah. And uh, we are actually at a point that the few verses we are going to share with each other today, in fact, give a tremendous, tremendous insight into how we should be behaving right now and what it is that we can learn from experiences that people went through in the Bible and apply them today so that we too do not make the same mistake. Now, where we touched off uh, last time we were together was that the angels arrived in the city of Storm. Lot tried to bring them into his home very valiantly, he still uh, uh, had the, the education of Avram Avinu that we should be doing Hachrasat Orchim, um, inviting guests, and there was a whole tumult the whole night. The people of Storm, um, being the wicked people they were, were trying to lay their hands on 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 the angels, wanting to perform sodomy with them. Um, Lot was trying to protect them. Eventually. In fact, the angels had to protect Lot. And what happened then was that they, they managed to bring Lot back into the house. They struck the people outside with blindness. And early, early in the morning, they grab Lot, his wife, and his two unmarried daughters. And they say to them, run for your life. Do not look back. Do not stand still anywhere in the valley but rather flee to the hills because you otherwise will be swept away. And the final verses that we touched on was that Lot went and said, please let me rather run to a city. And in fact, he runs to the city of Tsar. Tsar in Hebrew means insignificant. And um, he, 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 he leaves the city with his wife and 
two children. And then we start understanding now and reading through the verses that talk about the physical destruction of storm. So if anybody is sitting with a Chumash and now that you're all at home, no excuse, you're not running in the car, you're not busy picking up the kids, you can grab one of the five books of Moses Any homage that you have on your shelf, you can open up to chapter 19 of Genesis verse 23. And this is where we are going to pick up the story. We're learning just a number of verses today, but as I said, verses that are exceedingly pertinent to the times that we are living in now. The sun arose on the earth. This was after this whole night debacle with Lot and the the, um, angels being hidden in his house. The sun arose upon earth. Lot arrives in the city of Tzoar. God um, rains down on Storm and Amorah. Gofrit ve'esh me'et Hashem min Hashemayim. He rains down sulfur and fire from from God out of the sky. That's verse 23. Verse 24. Um, sorry, that that was verse 24. Verse 25. Ve'yahafoch et ha'el ve'et kol hakikar ve'et kol yoshvei God overturns. The cities, along with the entire plain, including all the inhabitants of the city and the vegetation on the ground. So basically what we see over here is similar to the destruction that Egypt um, had during the plagues. God allows boiling rain to fall on them, also as in the time of the flood. It said that fire descended from on high. We're told that just like the flood, God was still waiting for them to repent. A normal hard rain began to fall, um, kind of like to warn the populace to repent. And when they continued to rebel against God, they turned the, the rain turned into fire and brimstone, and all the people drowned and were burnt that way. And now we know that there were five cities in that area. Again, the area we're talking about is the area of what we know today as the Dead Sea. Um, that entire plain that uh, where Masada is, that entire plain that we, we, we go visit today. Um, there were five cities. The one city is spared, the city of Tsar, because Lot went to it. And the other four cities, they were all originally on a mountain, um, in that valley, it was a very, very fertile valley, and the angel stretched out his hand, we're told, he turned it upside down, some some say that he even did it with his own baby finger, and it got completely destroyed, and everything that was on the earth and anything growing in that area became very, very harmful, and it's, we're told that when the clouds passed over storm, um, Their rain became harmful, it burnt the soil, and nothing could grow in the area where storm stood. So here we see a complete and utter destruction um, of this entire area, not only of the people, of the city, of everything in it, and it laid and remained desolate to this very 
day. We're going to go for a bit of an ad break, and afterwards we are going to look at probably the most important verse which we are going to discuss today. Journey into the Bible and explore its hidden text and rich wisdom. Join Adol Kazilski Mondays at 1 p.m. for the trip of a lifetime. Well, welcome back, and we're studying Chumash, studying Torah. Um, one of the pillars by which we are told that the world exists is the study of Torah. So welcome to everybody that has um, tuned in right now. We are studying the chapter 19 of the book of Genesis, Parashat Baera. We're going to be looking at verse 26 now and then dissecting a little bit more of understanding not only what the Chumash is trying to teach us, but how we can actually apply it to our situation today. So, before the break, we said that God overturned um, the cities of Storm and Gomorrah and the other two cities in its uh, in the region um, so so ver- uh, um, ferociously. There was fire and brimstone. Nothing remained of the people. Nothing remained of the cities. Nothing remained of the vegetation. And to this day, as we know it for all of those that have had the opportunity and privilege of visiting the Holy Land and going down to the Dead Sea, all we see is a very, very um, vast stretch of land that is completely un- uninhabited, very desert-looking, and the Dead Sea being full of the salt, which, as we are told, was the remnant of this destruction. Now, we said that Lot did not want to go. He didn't want to leave, but towards dawn, the angel Michal, the angel Michael, took Lot, Lot's wife, and two daughters, grabbed them and pulled them out and said, run, go, move away from here, and don't look back. And now we have this famous verse, verse 26 of chapter 19, that says, that Lot's wife looked behind him, but he did see Sela, and she became a pillar of salt. Meaning of the four people that was going to be surviving this destruction, only three were left at the end, Lot and his two wives, because his wife turned into a pillar of salt. Now, just for some information, Lot's wife's name was Erit. And we see the rabbis giving many, many explanations as to why she turned back. So some say that the reason why she turned back was that she began to think about her two married daughters who had remained in storm, if you remember, and you can go back into the podcast, um, the son-in-laws of Lot laughed at him when he said, listen, the angels have come to save us, come with us. The, the, the son-in-laws laughed, and obviously the daughters that were married to the son-in-laws remained behind. And as a as any mother would, she was worried. She turned around because she was she was hoping that they would be following. But since the angel Gabriel said, do not look back, she deserved to die, and so she turned into a pillar of salt. Another reason why we are told um, is that um, when one is um, running away, one the reason why they were commanded not to look backwards 
um, was because the plague itself could um, could cause them harm. And that is why, by the way, and we will get to it again, is why a leper, somebody who contracted leprosy in the time of the Bible, is also segregated from others. So they were separating uh, Lot and his family from what was going on. And because she saw Sodom being transformed into brimstone and salt, she too became a pile of salt. Others say that she died of fright. But the majority of rabbis hold her responsible, her, her, her punishment rather, um, due to something that happened on the night when the angels were brought in. And that was that when Lot brought the angels into the house, he asked his wife Irit for some salt. And she argued with him and said, I'm not going to go and give salt to our guests. Are you crazy? I'm not sharing. And that was why she was transformed into a pillar of salt. It was a punishment that fit the crime. Um, one other one other reason, and then we're going to go back and dissect these reasons, is that Lot's wife realized that all their belongings were being destroyed. Um, her husband was with her, but he was scared. She was scared that he was not going to leave her an inheritance. And that's why if you look very closely at the words, it says, Vetabet ishto me'acharab, and his wife looked all over him, behind him, meaning she was worried what was going to happen after Lot died. I didn't have enough, I don't have any possessions. I don't have a retirement now. And uh, so we're told that God said it's not enough that you did not salt your possessions with charity, you didn't allow Lot to bring in guests, now instead of regretting the way you behaved, you're now worried about your inheritance. Now you're going to become that pillar of salt. And we're told that this pillar is destined to remain there until the time of resurrection, and it would not be diminished, neither summer nor winter. And again, for those who have traveled um, I, I think it's hearsay, but I know that I've been shown many times that is the, here is Lot's wife and there's this, um, kind of like statue of salt sticking out somewhere in that area. So let's just understand this whole story with salt because it comes to teach us a tremendous, tremendous lesson. We're told that charity is called salt. Why? Because just as salt preserves meat, Preventing it from decaying, charity preserves one's possessions. And we are told by our rabbis that if a person wants to safeguard his property, then he should use it for charitable purposes and have mercy on the poor. And that's why the Talmud uses the dictum, charity salts money, meaning that everything that we have received for ourselves in terms of material possessions, they're there in order for us to share and to use. And we should use our material possessions, not only the money that we have for charity, but the actual possessions that we have for charity. What does that mean? That means that we should be using our dining room table to invite guests. We should be using our kitchen to cook food. We should be using our, our, our place to allow Hachnasat Orchim to invite guests to sleep. We should be using our houses as places of learning Torah, and we should be using 
our car to give lifts to people. We should be using everything that we have in order to be charitable to other people. Now, here's an interesting idea that links very much into this idea that salt, um, that, that the salt of our possessions is our charity. We are told that when we have finished eating and we've eaten a proper meal where we have washed for bread, um, many of you will know that we have the custom of what's called Mayim Achronim, the final waters. Basically what happens is that we get a little jug of water that is passed by the men particularly um, and they wash the tips of their fingers and then wipe their lips. That water is passed around all the men and afterwards that is um, removed from the table. And our rabbis come to teach us that my machronim is there in order to remove the impurity um, that rests on the people's hands and to remove the salt of storm. If you look into the explanations, um, it said that the salt of storm um, could cause blindness. And so the sages legislated that people should wash their hands after each meal because the salt was found everywhere, and since the hand also frequently touched the eyes, it could cause blindness. So before we finish eating, we actually wash our fingertips off this salt. You could argue on a practical level, well, that really doesn't make sense today. It's something that really shouldn't be done. We eat with forks and knives. We don't have the salt of storm, which is very salty, which is dangerous, which is toxic. Um, we don't really need to do it because maybe in the olden days they ate with their hands. We don't do that today. Not a necessary item. But the truth be said, and we, are, we know this from Torah, that Torah is found on many, many, many levels. And what the rabbis mandated was not just about saving us from the physical impurities or dangers of having the salt on our fingers, but was actually teaching us that there is something far more greater that we need to learn when we have just finished a meal that we are satiated, that we are full, that we are relaxed. We're about to say Birkat Amazon. We're about to thank God um, that the Achalta, the Sabata that we have eaten, and that we are now going to, that we are satiated, we are going to bless God, we're removing the salt of storm. There's got to be something much more, um, much deeper than just removing some toxic salt that might cause us blindness if we put our fingers to our eyes. And so if we actually understand that salt is uh, considered charity, and charity salts the meat, which means that we need to give to others in order that we maintain the preservation of that which we have physically. My Machronim comes to teach us that the most difficult time to pray to God is in a time when we are full, when we are satiated, when we have everything that we 
need around us and everything is going fine, by human nature, that is the time that we forget about God. We forget to say thank you. We forget to worry that there might be people outside our house that are hungry, that are starving, that are in need of some type and form of charity. And so the Maimachronim comes to teach us to wipe that impurity off our hands, meaning that our hands should not be sullied with the selfishness um, that we tend to be as human beings and that while, whilst we might get up from our table full and satiated, there are people out there that have less than us and require that we share of our possessions. And um, when we look at the the whole idea of the the salt of Sdom, we have another place in the Mishnah that talks about the salt of Sdom that reads like this. There are four human traits, says the Mishnah. If one says, what's mine is mine, and what yours is yours, that is the trait of Sdom. Such a person, such a person wishes to derive pleasures from other, but they will not want them to have anything from him. If one says, what's mine is yours, and what yours is mine, then he is a fool. Okay, meaning that that person is not ashamed to go into other people's houses and fill his belly with that which is not his. Okay, and this is the whole concept of communism. What's mine is yours, and what yours is mine. And we could see that that never ever worked as a concept that would function in a society and make a society healthy. Everybody cannot pull everything into one bowl and then just say what's mine is yours and what's yours is mine. It's foolish. It doesn't work. If one says mine is yours and yours is yours, meaning what I have I'm going to give to you and what you have you can keep for yourself, says the Mishnah, such a person is a tzaddik. He's a saint because he doesn't wish to take anything from others and he only hopes that they will benefit from him. And finally, if one says, what's mine is mine, and what yours is mine, that is a person who's wicked, meaning he doesn't want others to touch his possessions, and on the contrary, he considers the possessions of other his own. So we have four different types of people. What's mine is yours, and what's yours is mine is communism. Throw it out. What's mine is mine, and what's yours is mine is complete wickedness. And that is complete and utter depravity and corrupt, corruptness, um, in this world. Not a good thing. What's mine is yours and what's yours is yours is where we should be striving for. That's where we should be, that's the, that's where we should be going to. But right now I believe that what mine is mine and yours is yours is where we are sitting. And this is where the rabbis say, you are like the people of Stom. And that is why Lot's wife turned into a pillar of salt. This has a tremendous, tremendous lesson to where we are today, finding ourselves in the situation that we're finding ourselves. And I think that this is 
indeed a very, very important lesson that we need to learn with this coronavirus and the ability um, for us to, the, 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 not the ability, the situation that we find ourselves in living um, with corona. The first thing about Lot, I think there's a powerful lesson to learn about that, and after the break I'm going to expound more about this idea of salt. Lot's wife, and even Lot himself, could not give up on the world that they lived in. Okay, Lot argued with the angels the entire night. His son-in-laws did not believe that they would be redeemed. Finally, God forces them out and says, I'm telling you this is what I'm going to do. I'm, I'm schlepping you out of the situation. Lot understands. His two unmarried daughters understand. His son-in-laws don't understand together with their daughters. And even Lot's wife cannot handle the fact that her world was changing. And she turns around to look backwards. The lesson here for us, I believe today, learning these words is something fundamental. Our world is changing. What will be when this coronavirus is over? And please God, it should be over very quickly and everybody should get a healing very quickly. Is that we will never ever have the same world that we have today. So all of us that are sitting there going, I can't wait for coronavirus to be over because then I can make plans to go to Thailand. Then I can go back to the shops and continue shopping or that I can go back to doing this or doing that or whatever it is that we are hoping for because we want to go back to what we believed is normal, is behaving, I believe, like Lot's wife. Okay? We are not going to be going back to the same world that we knew or know. We are going to something much greater. God is taking us through something much bigger. And the most important thing is that we should not be looking back. The only thing we should be doing now in our situation is looking forward and starting to understand the new world that is being created, not having memories or, 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 or feelings of wanting to go back to where we were. We're entering a new reality. After the break, I'm going to discuss a little bit more then this whole concept of salt. Journey into the Bible and explore its hidden text and rich wisdom. Join Adol Kazilski Mondays at 1 p.m. for the trip of a lifetime. Welcome back. And just before the break, we were talking about the fact that all of us now should be looking forward, not backward. And the forward looking that we should be having is one of seeing how the world is going to be very, very different from the world that we are living. I'd like to share a little bit and and and, and pretty quickly because I do not have a lot of time. Um an idea um I've been listening to obviously a lot that is that has been shared on social media and different uh, rabbis and um speakers 
on the various ideas, but one of the one one of the speakers, Rabbi Mendel Kesson, mentioned that when we are deservant um, of negativity in our life, particularly a death sentence, there are many times God will commute it to a life sentence, but give us certain sufferings in our life in order to be as if we were considered death. And he gives four examples. He says instead of an actual death sentence, God can smite you with blindness. Uh, that blindness, um, if you are a person that is blinded, it's considered as if you are living a death because you cannot participate with what's happening in this world. Um, the 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 curse of poverty one who is poor is considered as being a living death one who is a leper he's a uh, he he has contracts leprosy he's thrown out of the camp and put into quarantine and if people live with the fear of death hanging over them all the time now these four um situations where a death an actual physical death sentence is commuted to a living death is very, very pertinent to us today. I believe that we are suffering through all four of them, but at the same time in the suffering of them, we are, we actually have the spiritual antidote as to how to correct that. So let's just quickly go through them again so that we can understand. Okay. We are blinded today. And no, we are not blinded because, God forbid, we are physically blind, but we are blinded um, in the fact that we are what you see is what you get people. When you argue with people, they argue very much just about the physical reality. And when you hear all the discussion, even with the coronavirus, a lot of us still have a big blind spot, spot in believing this is a physical thing. It's just a virus. We have to wait for all of us to just work it out. Find, find the vaccine, find the antidote, find what, what, what will take it away and it will go away and that will be the end of that. That is blindness. Blindness in believing that this world just functions on a physical level. And more blind in that we are spiritually blind in not understanding that this virus is much bigger than just a physical thing. The irony of this blindness is that we can't even see our enemy. So we vacillate in this blindness um, and a lot of us are still stuck in our blind spot. The the curse of poverty is something that has overcome everybody from the poorest person to the richest person. This unknown enemy called coronavirus has systematically destroyed everything in terms of our material wealth. Whether we have a hundred million in the bank, which now is worth nothing because the stock markets have gone and the currencies have crashed, and our pensions have gone, our retirement annuities are going down the thing to 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 down the ladder of anybody. Our businesses have gone. People are not paying people all the way to the very poor person who hasn't got a job. We have all been thrown into a situation of poverty. We are all. Um, now stricken with the, the, the inability to look at our physical possessions and say, well, that gives me security. It's been taken away. We are completely now um, impoverished, each and every single one of us. We are like lepers. We've been thrown out of society 
Each and every single one of us is, so to speak, sitting outside the camp. We are um, quarantined uh, as the leper is, and there is a reason for that. One uh, one of the words that we use for this coronavirus is dever. It is a plague. It's a plague of pestilence, t- the same type of plague that we read about when it comes to Yitzhak Mitzrayim, going out of Egypt. And dever comes from the word dibur, from speech. And why does a leper go out of the camp? Because he spoke Lashon Hara, because he spoke badly about his fellow human being. Think again here, society, each and every single one of us in our individual capacity, certainly in terms of governments, in terms of, of people, of society, we have all we have done is spoken ill one of the other. Um, the, the, the big examples without pointing fingers to personal um, situations is look how the Democrats and the Republicans have been speaking to each other. Look at, look at how uh, Netanyahu and Gantz have been fighting. Look how um, the various political factions in our country have been speaking. We've all spoken ill of each other and now we're in quarantine and we're suffering the trials and tribulations of Aleppo. And finally, and most importantly, perhaps, we are all suffering from Pachet Mavis, from the fear of death. Perhaps the greatest thing that this coronavirus has, has brought is the fact that we are all scared of death. We are all um, worried about what tomorrow will bring, and each and every one of us is facing our mortality. So we see now a situation where um, God is actually doing a kindness to us instead of destroying our world, which to a large extent has become very much like a storm in Gomorrah, where there is immorality, where there is adultery, where there is sodomy, where there is stealing, where there is bad-mouthing. Instead of coming now and just wiping us slate out, the slate clean, he has given us that which feels like death, but there in that he has given us the chance to turn things around. And the very things and the very places that we find ourselves in actually is the very, very place where we have got the antidote. It's not about getting another vaccine. It's not about hoarding our money. It's not about um, trying to find a way to wiggle our way out of all of this. But in fact, in our struggles is where we are going to find that antidote. We are going to go for a little break, and when we get back, um, I will quickly give you what I believe to be the antidotes. Journey into the Bible and explore its hidden text and rich wisdom. Join Adol Kazilski Mondays at 1 p.m. for the trip of a lifetime. Let's flip this whole thing around based on what I just said before the break. We're blinded. We're impoverished, we're in quarantine, and we're walking around with a fear of death. How do we get this turned around that we actually learn the lesson? Very simply, my friends, blindness is from the fact that we can, we believe that what we see is what we get. Where in truth, we know that this world is made up of both physical and spiritual. What we need to do now is go through a cataract operation. We need to take the veil of our perceptions. 
We need to cut them. We need to cut those cataracts away, and we need to start seeing godliness. And in seeing godliness means to see that there is much more than what we see, than what we get, that there is a force out there, a godly force that gives us our life, that runs our life, and that there is a world that is far greater, far deeper uh, than what we are seeing right now. How do we go about doing that? Start looking onto the internet at authentic Jewish sites, Chabad.org, H.com. There are many, many of them. I'm not singling out any of them. And start searching and understanding the godliness behind everything. Because this physical world is a veil. Really, there is a true, rich, spiritual world. And that's really where we should be going. How do we take away this impoverished feeling We've got to learn from the people of storm. We need to salt our possessions. Right now, we cannot live in what's mine is mine and what's yours is yours, but rather what's mine is yours and what's yours is yours. We need to go out and start becoming far more charitable, both in deed, in speech, and in action. Everything that we, we, are, we, we have to do right now is to share with other people, not hoard away. Even though it's contrary to the way we are, if we say with mine is mine and yours is yours, we're acting like the people of Stom. We now need to share what God has given us because that's what we should have been doing in the first instance. Thirdly, we're in quarantine and we are lepers that have been thrown out of society. Why? Because we have spoken badly. Now is the time to fix that up. Start using please and thank you. Start having real meaningful conversations with other people. Start touching the depths of other people. Start forgiving other people. Start using your speech for good, not for negative, not for slamming on social media now, not for talking bad, not for complaining, not for bringing down, but rather for building up for, 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 and use our speech only for positive things. And finally, how do we get rid of ourselves of this pachet mavis, this fear of death that is all pervading? One thing, we need to start building up our bitachon, our trust in God, that God is running this world. We were never in control, and now we are out of control, and we need to learn that we will never be in control. God controls this world. When one takes all the trials and tribulations that we have right now and we throw it at God and we say, God, you've brought me to this place. You've given me a house and you have given me money and you've given me a family and you've given me whatever you've given me. Okay. And you've brought me to it. Trust that God will take you further. God is not leaving you. He's taking you. But in order to do that, you need to have a huge trust in God right now. So the four spiritual antidotes is one, stop being blinded. Don't with this blind, blind spot thinking that all we're going to do is fix this up physically and we're going to go back to where we came from. We're not. We're meant to open our eyes now in order to see something far greater. Number two, don't act impoverished. Share what you've got because that's what God wants to see of us right now because we have been act, acting impoverished until now. We need to reverse that around. Thirdly, we need to start speaking nicely because we are in quarantine. Um, we need to start reversing that quarantine by speaking nicely and using our speech to be accepting, to be forgiving, to be loving, to be appreciative. And finally, and most importantly, 
We all need to strengthen in faith, in, in, in trust in God, that if he's brought this world to its knees, he can get the world up from its knees again. We just need to trust in him. And on that note then, I wish each and every single one of you a safe week, a healthy week, a week of each and every one of us turning around um, our attitudes and perceptions of the world that we're in. Don't look back like Lot's wife, but look forward. Look forward to a new world that will hopefully, please God, embrace us very, very, very soon um, as we come close to the festival of redemption, the festival of Egypt, which is really the festival of us leaving the limitations and old perceptions that we had. Have a wonderful week, and I'll be back next week, same time, same place.